day, ye merry innkeepers. I'm Sir Pete DeMeo, your master of revels. Joining me in this court of excellence is our herald, Phil Fariska. Hello, Phil. Welcome back, everybody. And today we have a fellow member of the Boom Squad, our catchpole himself and marketing specialist, Jeremy Razouk. And this <laughs> is episode 198 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. <laughs> Hold on. Can, can I add, what, what, what is, what is a catchpole? So these are all jobs that you'd commonly find in medieval times. Oh, of course. So, yes. So uh, a master of revels is the official in charge of court entertainment. Phil is a herald, which is a man in charge of making pronouncements and proclamations. And Jeremy, you are our catchpole. And that is, that literally means chicken catcher but often refers to someone who brings in debtors. Interesting. <laughs> so, so there you go. But uh, hey, I know everyone here is really excited to learn the intricacies of medieval corporate ladders, but they really want to hear more about hotel marketing. And that's, Jeremy, that's where you're coming today because we're going to be talking about your recent article on Travel Boom about how marketers and hoteliers can work to market and drive demand for hotels that already have high occupancy. Right, I'm excited. I'm excited to jump in. All right. Yeah, this is a it's a pretty timely one. We know a lot of you hoteliers out there are are dealing with some high occupancy. Definitely a good problem to have, but by no means does that mean it's time to cut off your marketing. So we have some eight great strategies for you to to keep your marketing running and running effectively. Exactly. So. If you want, you can read this article. It's at TravelBoomMarketing.com. You can also find the notes to our episode today at episode 198. So get really close to the big 200. And before we dive in, though, we have some news ruse. And we have a we have a tradition where we always have the catch pole sing the, a jingle for the news. Are you up for that, Jeremy, or no? <laughs> sure. I'll add oh. that to my chicken catching. <laughs> All right, would you like to sing or do you want me to put the pre-recorded jingle in? I'll sing. Let's, fine. let's hear it. Yeah, let's go. With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news or All right. Fantastic. You've, you've taken my job, and I, <laughs> and I greatly appreciate it. But, yes, yeah, so we've got two items today. One of them is one that I had picked up, and this comes to us from Travel Weekly. It's a pretty interesting article. So the, the headline is Day Passes Help Hotels Plug Pandemic Holes in Revenue. Like a lot of, I'd say, higher end or more inclusive resorts, you've always had the ability to offer day passes for, for locals, day trippers, or just you know people who aren't necessarily staying at the property, but who would like to enjoy the property amenities. And we've seen more and more properties really starting to dive in and make the most out of the uh, the day pass concept to fill in areas where one if your property is full or you have rooms that are currently unavailable because of a lack of staff and this article goes into a little bit of detail about specifically you know how you can make the most of that who's doing it and who's doing it well and I would definitely suggest if you get a chance take a look at this article on Travel Weekly it's a good place to grab your news anyway. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what people are charging for. How much they're charging, and we know, you know, a lot of our clients have 
awesome amenities just you know even from like the pools lazy rivers water parks at, at some of these beach hotels but um I mean, there's plenty more out there. I'm, I, I would love to know what a day pass costs and, and what it gets you. And, you know, if you if you need that little extra bit of revenue or how this even fits in with our our topic today of, you know, if you have high occupancy, it doesn't mean you probably can't pull in a, a few more dollars by selling day passes as well. Exactly. And, and the article actually references a couple of properties. One is the Omni, uh, Austin downtown. They offer access to the rooftop pool, Wi-Fi, parking, and you know a couple amenities at thirty-five dollars per person for the day, which not bad, pretty good deal. So Omni is also doing the same program in our backyard in South Carolina at Hilton Head, where it's fifty dollars per person, and that gets you access to. It's more of an oceanfront resort, so you don't have multiple pools, hot tubs, a private beach, all the amenities that a guest would have without the room being included but when you like you said when you think about this if you don't have the the staff to clean your rooms but you have the staff to manage the property overall this is a great way to drive that incremental revenue that otherwise you would have you would have missed out on and let's let's also look at this way it's a great way for someone to test drive your property for a future vacation yeah great point great point um pete i got a news route for you oh let's hear it uh, so I was scrolling hotelmarketing.com and saw two conflicting headlines. Um, and one was the latest hotel forecast, business and group travel have a long way to go. And then the next one was forward bookings tell a story of corporate group recovery. <laughs> <laughs> and well, guess what? They were both by the same site. So CoStar, yeah, CoStar put out these articles of... You know, uh, business and group travel have a long way to go. And then they put out another one that says they're recovering. It just kind of struck me as a little funny. But looking at the articles, reading into them, though the headlines are somewhat conflicting, the data is pretty much showing what we all know and and what's going on. So, yeah, corporate business, group travel, it's nowhere near where it was in 2019. But it is slowly coming back. So, you know, what we saw earlier this year, even the, the percentage decreases in group travel that we saw or corporate travel that we saw are, are, are much smaller. So, you know, if it was, you know, 50% down in May, it's 20% down in July, uh, something along those lines. You can read the articles, we'll link to them from the show notes, but it's it's really telling the same story. I just thought it was funny that, that those two headlines sat next to each other. To be fair, the first article about the business have a long way to go was written on August 17th. And the next article that the recovery is on the way is on the 18th. So we don't know what their scale is. They may feel like you know, if, if you're a five-year-old, having to go a day away may seem like a really big trip. So that's my guess, is that it, everything resolved itself on August 17th. It was a great day for, in the hotel marketing world. Good point, Pete. <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's see. So before we dive into the Big Jeremy Show, we have 60 Seconds to Success, which is the new segment that we have here. And I believe, Phil, this is yours, right? Yeah, I just wrote this in um, and I owe you guys a few seconds because I went over last week. Yep. So I'm going to try to get this one done in less than 60. All right. So I've got the timer set and go. 
So if you want to identify non-brand keywords that your site is ranking for, I want you to open Google Search Console, go to Performance, select Queries, hit the filter on the far right, it's right under Dates, select Top Queries, Change Contains to Does Not Contain, and type the name of your brand or part of the name of your brand and click Done. You'll now have a list of non-brand queries that your that your site is ranking for and that that is driving traffic there. So, what I want you to do is take that list, find the queries that have an average rank of six or more, and see what you can do to the pages that are ranking for those queries to improve them. And then you're likely going to get a bunch more non-brand traffic to your site. That's awesome. That's a great tip. I didn't know about this, and it's. A- perfect way for yeah to find find a lot of great opportunity and you have nine seconds to do that because you only took 51 minutes seconds nice so i appreciate you've completely redeemed yourself (laughs) that's what i was going for (laughs) perfect all right well let's go ahead and jump into the main topic so this is episode 198 and the topic is eight marketing strategies for hotels with high occupancy so i'll turn over to you to phil and jeremy and We'll just dive into it. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned at the top, we know we know a lot of you are dealing with this right now. It's um, there was a ton of pent up demand for travel, and a lot of you are very full. Uh, again, good problem to have, but we have some some ways that you can still be effective with your marketing strategies. And and by listening to this, you might realize that you need to pivot a little bit. Um, and some of them are tried and true marketing strategies that you should always be doing. Like number So build relationships with your current guests. Obviously your your current guests are your most important guests. They're the ones on property. Um, creating that unforgettable experience, the the surprise and delight that you can give these guests that would make them return guests is is invaluable. So, I mean, it's pretty, it can seem difficult to do, but these, there's little gestures that, that, that Jeremy suggested here. And I, I'll leave it to you, Jeremy, if you want to go through some of these things, because I thought they were you know, great little tidbits. If, you, if you, you're struggling to build relationships with your current guests, here's just you know, a few things that, that Jeremy thinks you should be doing. Yeah, I mean, if, if any ways to incorporate any of these things, I mean, I, I think it'd be a positive for any guests staying at your hotel. Um, one of them was one that I took from uh, one of Pete's old posts um, about kind of <laughs> pivoting your hotel or your, making a great stay for your younger guests. Um, and one of those options would be you know, having a treat or maybe a small gift for, um, for younger guests, uh, for any kids that are staying at your hotel. So it's things like, in, as well as offering complimentary drinks at check-in or just listening and responding to questions and needs from your guests. Um, any of that can be ma- any of that will make a strong first impression um, and can hopefully lead to a consumer to business relationship that could last for years to come. Definitely. It is one that they always say you never have a second chance to make a first impression. And this is a perfect example of that is when you have someone at the front desk, we already know that they are probably having the most stress of their vacation when they get to your property. They've, try to figure out where to park the car. They've tried to figure out all the bags and everything like that. And if you can just make it a little bit nicer, give them something that they would never have expected, 
it's going to make them immediately want to start telling others about the great stay they had at your property. Yeah, get you get you started off on the right foot. Like we said, maybe turn them into a repeat guest, or you know, maybe even just a, a positive review can go so far. So, love this one, Jeremy. Uh, build relationships with current guests. Leading us into number So pushing for revenue through add-ons, on-site purchases. Um, this is this is fantastic for those of you who have high occupancy right now. Uh, you got a lot of you got a lot of stays on the books. People are already coming to see you. So how can you hit that second wallet? How can you get them to spend a little bit more um, even before or or during? So you know, send, sending uh, pre-arrival emails. Would you like to add a, a bottle of wine or champagne, a basket of snacks, chocolate-covered strawberries, things like that? Um, you know, food credits, arcade credits that you can add to the stay before you get there. Um, discounted tickets to nearby attractions. These type of add-ons that you can get that little bit of incremental revenue. Um, someone's already spent you know, a good bit of money with you and, and that initial purchase is complete. You know, these little add-ons can, can go a long way to, to helping your bottom line. Um, we, we've seen it work wonders for, for our guests, particularly our hotel clients in, in, in pre-arrival emails in particular, but, but also from, you know, SMS messages while people are on property or, or, you know, notifications through those of our clients who have apps uh, saying, you know, come down to the bar for 15% off in the next 30 minutes. And, and then, you know, you see a, you see a flood into the, into the bar area and, and there, there comes a, a ton of incremental revenue. So I, I love this idea. And I think this is one of, well, probably one of the best ones on the list for, for you hotels with high occupancy. And this is where technology is going to be your friend. If you don't have a mobile app, all the data that we've ever looked at and all the data that we've seen other folks look at as well is you need to have that on your roadmap. It probably should be on your 2021 roadmap. If not, put it on that 22 map because we're seeing more and more bookings directly through the mobile apps, which is great because they bypass the entire web process and your competitors. But two, the ability to drive that incremental revenue through either room upgrades, the credits, bar bar tabs whatever that might be it's so valuable for your property and if you have rooms that are out of commission because of today's workforce issues you've got to be thinking of ways that you can make more from your existing guests and this was a perfect example and, and uh, jeremy added this note here of you know filling some of the more expensive rooms yeah you could upsell right but we can also take a step back and to to number one on our list of building relationships with your current guests. Um, if you see a you know larger family coming in and you know they're all sharing rooms or sharing beds and you have a bigger suite available, you're probably not going to sell it that night, right? So if you want to just give them that free upgrade that builds that relationship with the guest, you're still cleaning only one room, maybe a little bit larger, but you're only cleaning that one room. Um, and that is building all kinds of, you know, goodwill and, and good faith and, and almost guaranteeing you a return stay. Yeah, I was going to jump in on that one as well. Even before we had issues with COVID, with staffing or, or whatever else it might be, if you have the ability 
to open up your entry level inventory, it's going to be very effective because it's a lot easier for someone to come in off the street as a walk-in and purchase an entry level room versus that person go to the, the highest level. But if you have a guest who has been planning on checking in for 30, 60 days or more, you, giving them that drip campaign to get them to upgrade their stay or just upgrading them when they get to the property is a great way to do that. Yeah, there's that there's that second wallet again, right? So they, they've already made that big purchase. The, the little bit more that they have to pay to, to get into something better, you're so much more likely to get that after that initial you know, booking of the room. Right. Ready to move on to number Pivot your paid search bidding strategy. Jeremy, this is one that I know you've been doing quite a bit recently, so I'll let you take this one away. Yeah, this is uh, something that we've been testing uh, for some of our clients. And so far, so far, so good. Um, <clears throat> so if you're noticing that things like your more expensive rooms, as we just touched on, are still sitting empty, you know, it may be time to pivot to a different bidding strategy in your uh, paid search campaigns like Google Ads, or actually Google Ads specifically, because this bidding strategy is through Google Ads, and that strategy is maximize conversion value. Um, it's something that, like I said, I've, um, we've been testing for some of our clients, and I mean, so far we've seen some pretty good results. Um, so switching your Google Ads hotel paid search campaigns to a maximize conversion value bidding strategy Essentially, the goal there is to aim or your aim is to drive as much revenue as possible within the budget that you're spending and your campaigns. Um, and then the goal through the actual strategy is hopefully you'd be is to serve your ads to higher yielding customers, therefore receiving more uh, revenue back um, based on how much you're spending. Yeah, Jeremy, this was this was a great idea from you, and and I love that we've implemented it, and I loved seeing that it that it's working so well, especially for our our hotels that are have, have high occupancy right now. Um, so effectively, what this is doing is we took a, a bidding strategy of maximized conversions, which was trying to get you as many conversions as it could to maximize conversion value. So this is trying to get the most money or finding the people, serving your ads to the people who are looking to spend the most money. So Google knows um, through user behavior who's looking to purchase the more expensive room type uh, or have the longer stay um, just based on based on the data they've collected. So when someone falls into that category, um, they're they're more likely to see your ad with a maximized conversions bidding maximized conversion value bidding strategy. So love this one. This works so far very well for for our hotels with high occupancy. And that works okay from a property that one is very budget conscious and is concerned about from a cost per click and overall budget perspective. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So this, you, your cost per click may increase slightly, but your overall spend will likely decrease. So Google is willing to make you pay a little bit more for the click they think is going to work, but there's less of those people out there. So the spend itself will go down. Does that make sense? It does. It does. It, it, awesome. I think we're seeing that more and more from just paid strategies in general, where we're having to turn a little bit more of our efforts over to to Google 
into the algorithms and focus more on making sure that we're we're managing the the campaign itself versus getting down to the very granular level. Yeah, and you know what? They're they're better at it than 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 we can be because they have the intimate knowledge of what somebody is searching for, right? So I'll leave it to their hands because they're the ones collecting all the data and they're never going to provide us the data that they have. Like, oh, you know, people are searching for so many room nights. You do, would you like to target only those people? Well, you know, that that type of thing happens on Google hotel ads because it's hotel focused. But, you know, your, your basic Google ads that your you know plumber down the street is running isn't it has no need for for that type of uh, that type of strategy. So take that into consideration. You know, one other thing that that we've been seeing maximize conversion value bidding strategy, as Jeremy mentioned here, is really good. Um, target return on ad spend is a really good one as well. So this is very very similar in the fact that you know if you if you're if you're saying to yourself you know I I need to get this type of return on ad spend um, you only have a few rooms left so you want to get people booking those rooms at you know the lowest cost to you possible target ROAS might be a, another good one but we suggest you start with maximize conversion value before you switch over to that. Good tip. Good tip. Right. Number four. Love this one too, Jeremy. Look at look ahead to periods of low occupancy. So occupancy is high for you right now. Well, guess what? It's time to start looking forward. When is your occupancy low? And what can you do to you know reach the levels you're at now in those periods of low occupancy? Tell me a little bit more about it, Jeremy. Yeah, and it's a way of influencing guests who may be searching for you now as well um, to, you know, get them to also look ahead and, you know, entice them to book during these periods of low occupancy. Um, and you can do that through ad copy messaging, uh, website messaging, through the imagery on your website. If you're, if you have low occupancy, right, if, if it's getting towards the end of summer, you're looking ahead towards fall, you don't have you don't have many people on the books for fall, you know, just doing simple things like, you know, replacing some images on your website to uh, <clears throat> showcase, you know, fall, autumn, uh, those types of images that, you know, make people make people or just those simple images that, you know, influence someone that may make a booking for that time of year. Yeah. Um, and one, one other thing that, that I liked here was um, if, if, you have the ability and you, and you have the, the foresight to say, hey, you know, this room type that I offer is completely booked up for the next month. Well, go ahead and change the copy on that room type page to say, you know, completely booked or, you know, your room is booked until X date. Uh, why don't you consider moving your vacation to the, you know, the next season, whatever it is. Well, um, I think that's where make sure that your booking agent doesn't suck really comes into yeah. place. Well, because you, if you know you have inventory issues, you never want to run into an issue where someone does a search and there's no inventory without at least saying, we don't have any inventory this weekend, but if you're looking for next weekend, here it is, or whatever the, the availability is, help that guest through the process. And you'll see people booking for those lower occupancy rates, especially if they're at a cheaper rate too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe show them, you know, the room type you're looking at was not available, but we have these room types that are, you know, something along those lines. But I think the point of this is, is trying to de develop your marketing strategy to fill those future low occupancy periods. So, you know, we're thinking along, along the lines of right now, you know, we've had, we had hotels that were full uh, all through the summer so they started running back to school sales when they know that they did have lower occupancy. So these back to school sales that they started running started filling up the rooms when they had low occupancy in the future. Um, I know, you know, Jeremy mentioned fall foliage packages. You know, think think staycations, things like that that you run to to your to your um, locals for for your low occupancy periods. Um, love this idea. Uh, kind of gets you forward thinking and not just, you know. Hey, I have uh, no vacancy. Everything's great. Let me let me sit back and relax. Exactly. It's just, it's you know there's no need to remain stagnant. You just got to look ahead. I added one one note to this one too. <clears throat> so identifying events that are happening during your known low occupancy period. So if you know uh, you know two months ahead, you know you're 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 pacing behind. Start doing your research and find out what's going on in your area that might be bringing your pe bringing people to your area, and and seeing you know what kind of partnerships can you make? Can you run ads people for people searching for that particular event or venue or something along those lines, uh, where you can get in front of those people um, who plan on attending certain event during your low occupancy period, and, and can you bring them in? All right, ready to jump right. into uh, the next one? Five, 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 So similar to what we were just talking about, building demand for down the road. So episode 191, we covered how to analyze demand generation uh, data. Um, and we covered a few of the tactics that, that you could take to, to generate demand in your property. But again, now when your occupancy is high is when you can start putting thought into those you know the future dates what can you do to to drive awareness to your brand now uh that that's going to bring in those future bookings this is this is extremely important because like i said just because you have high occupancy now doesn't mean it's going to last forever and instead of sitting on your butt and counting your money start planning your future marketing yeah, I mean, this one is incredibly important because it, it, you're right, it, it's not always about right now and we need to do a better job of yielding, which there's a lot of great tools that will help us you know, yield better. But if, if we can you know, roll up our sleeves and see what we can do now, it makes a whole bunch of sense. We've had, we've had a lot of clients who are, who are full right now. And they didn't take this as 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 downtime because they're not you know scrambling to to fill this this weekend's rooms or this week's rooms. They they took it as all right. Let's create an awesome marketing campaign that we're going to run during Cyber Monday. They're they're on top of it. They're 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 months ahead at this point. And and I love that because you know as the marketer, being able to implement something that's well thought out and planned out is much easier than. <clears throat> trying to trying to scramble and figure it out last minute so well it, as a sidebar as well you mentioned cyber monday it's already on us right now so yeah i know we're sitting here while we're recording this it's mid-august but there's more and more properties that are looking at the beginning of november coming out with those cyber offers to their guest history database so just right now is the time to be thinking okay what am i going to be doing for my cyber sales this year and getting those in place 
not about necessarily what we're talking about today, but don't get caught flat-footed for the cyber sales for the year. All right. Love it. Next one. Number six. Reaching travelers that stayed in your area, but not at your hotel. So, again, you're at high occupancy right now. But there's a lot of people and a lot of your competitors are at high occupancy, too. How can you turn their guests into your guests? So, Jeremy, walk us through this one, because I know that's like the holy grail of hoteliers and kind of marketers in general is you got someone who loves your destination but doesn't know about you. How do you fix that where you can actually make money off of it? Exactly. So thanks to Facebook ads, we can combine the unfamiliar unfamiliarity of an awareness campaign with the familiarity of a remarketing campaign. So in this case, people may be unfamiliar with your hotel, but they are familiar with your hotel's location. Um, and this type of campaign is incredibly easy to set up, or at least the targeting is incredibly easy to set up within Facebook ads. Um, and like, like Pete said, I mean, you're basically building a relationship with your competitors' guests. Um, it's a way to, to get in on the ground floor with, uh, you know, the people who have already stayed in your area and are familiar with your area and maybe, and you may be able to entice them to come back. And this time, instead of going coming back to your competitor, they come back to you if you can build that relationship. I like this one. It's, it's a lot more than just how you market when your property's full. This should be a strategy that you have in place all the time. Yeah, this is this is one where you can get kind of as creepy as you want with your, your ad copy, right? Or your imagery, at least. Uh, where, where you kind of give them the hint that we know you were here, but you didn't stay with us. So next time you're here, you should stay with us. Uh, however you want to word that, however you want to show that to your guests and how forward you'd like to be with that type of messaging is, is certainly up to you and, and your hotel's personality and and your in your typical you know ad copy. But I love this tactic. Uh, it it's proven to work very well. Um, especially for destinations with, you know, lots of repeat traffic. We know people tend to go to the same areas for a variety of reasons, right? Whether it's your summer vacation or, you know, you're going to visit family in a different city and you go to that city a few times a year. Um, this is, this is so effective, but this is something, again, you're at high occupancy now. You're not going to be in the future or maybe the next time that guest is going to stay. So building that brand awareness, building that demand now, is, it's going to be great for you when you're not completely full. Yeah, like I said, I mean, it's, it's super easy to set up um, whenever you're creating your campaign and within your ad set, all you basically – have to do is when you're setting your location targeting, you're obviously going to set your location targeting to your area. Um, and then you'll adjust your geotargeting settings to people that were just recently in your location. Um, and then after that, I mean, you exclude, you know, people who may have stayed with you already, or even your Facebook page fans, uh, you know, that way. So you're not targeting people who are already familiar with your property who've already stayed with you. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of what I was going to with the, um, make the ad copy relevant to this person, right? Make the ad imagery relevant to this person. We're not trying to serve an ad to somebody who knows us and has stayed with us. 
We're trying to reach our competitors' guests and steal that competitors' guests for ourselves. Sneaky, and I love it. But you know what I love also? The next one on the list. Number Minimizing availability for high commission channels. Yes. This one is huge. So as simple as I can state this, if you know your property is full, don't give OTAs rates for those dates. Uh, if you have a few rooms to fill, there's no reason to pay a high commission to fill those rooms. If you know you can do it via walk-in or you can do it via uh, branded PPC, something that has really high returns on ad spend. So just whatever your lowest cost per acquisition is, is going to fill those rooms. Don't be shelling out those rates to OTAs. And that's the one that drives me nuts. We see it happen all the time. I know a couple of years ago, we had this one issue where we're trying to help a specific client overcome some issues where they were overly reliant on OTAs. And you'd go and look, and they had all kinds of inventory at random properties for July 4th. And you're like, no, never, ever, ever have July 4th on your OTA inventory if you know you're going to be filling that property. And in most cases, if it's a tourist destination or if there's a massive event nearby, keep that in mind and be smart about it. There's no reason to pay 15, 20 plus percent to an OTA for someone who's already going to be booking with you direct in the future. And we un- we understand that, you know, the OTAs act as brand awareness, right? But we're talking about when you're fairly full uh, or, you know, right now you're at high occupancy, you have a few rooms to fill for this weekend. Just just don't give them to the OTAs. You're, you're likely going to fill them. So don't pay the commission when you don't need to. Exactly. All right. All right. We got one more. One more. Number Market to your most profitable guests. This is where you have to do a little bit more research, right? So you have to figure out who those guests are. You have to dig through your data a bit, but you have that data. So take the time to do it. You are at a high occupancy level. You're not worried about how can I fill these rooms? You're worried about how do I get the most revenue into my property? So finding the guests through the data that you have that tend to spend the most money with you is, and then, and then sending your marketing messaging directly to those people. So identify them from your email database, you know, your guest history saying who has spent the most with me in the past, find them, segment them and market to them. And then you can kind of use those lists to, to say, all right, let me reach these people through Google ads. Let me reach them through email. And then you can kind of match almost lookalike audiences, right? So to say, all right, find me people who look like the people who spent a lot of money with my property and then market to those people as well. Maybe not as big of a budget with them, but you get the idea. Jeremy, I love this one. This was this was this was a a good one to finish on. Yeah, and I like your mention of lookalike. Um, I think that you know something like Facebook or even Google Ads, um, using your past e- uh, email database of you know who the persona of or the person or the type of person that has spent the most money at your property. 
um, and then just plugging that into a channel like Facebook that will spit out a lookalike audience of you know, people who are similar to this guest or have similar traits to this guest. And so basically you're, you're targeting the, that similar person you know, and yeah. hopefully getting that profit back. These systems do a great job at matching demographics, right? So a lookalike audience is saying, all right, let me group these people who spent the most money with me in the past year. All right, what is similar about them? What is their household income, you know, gender, geographic area, what have you? They, the system takes all of the data of the, of the information you give it and finds other people who fit the bill and serves the ad to those people. That's what a lookalike audience is. That's what a similar to audience is. Um, that's, that's how these systems work. I, I love this one. And if, you know, number one, market to the people who are familiar with you. We've talked about that before. Um, who, have, who, who, you know, your, your previous guest history, see if you can get them to stay again. Great. But if you can take what you know about your most profitable guests and create new ones, that's even better. Cool. This was a uh, fairly short and sweet, Pete. But I, uh, I think this is really useful for, especially for our our listeners who have high occupancy right now and are looking for uh, what to do instead of twiddling their thumbs. Well, yeah, and I like it too. So, so good job, Jeremy. One thing I think that's missing on here is one specific don't do. And bonus. That, ooh, bonus one. So here it is. Ready? Don't jack your ADR up to the point where. You're making a ton of money now, but at the expense of your guest experience and at the expense of future guests down the road. Because we, we've actually seen this a lot, specifically in at least our destination, Myrtle Beach. But I know all tourist destinations have seen it significantly, where all of a sudden, ADR for a property that was a $120 a night property, you're seeing go for $300 plus a night. And you cannot deliver on the promise to that guest of a $300 a night experience. So if you only focus on ADR as the only way to throttle demand, you need to take a step back and look at it a little bit more strategically. It's better to have a slightly lower ADR and move those people to when you need them than to create an experience or the expectation of an experience that you know that you're not going to be able to deliver. Yeah, you're going to end up with terrible reviews if you do this. And like Pete mentioned, if you you know you're jacking that that rate up, and people are expecting some you know, fancier hotel than you can provide, well, they're going to let you know, and they're going to let everyone else know. And and on on pretty much every platform they can, we all know people tend to leave reviews when they're upset rather than when they're happy, and. You know, you don't want to rack up a bunch of bad reviews because people have spent way too much to stay at your mediocre property. And, yeah, and you I'm, all know who you are. Yeah, and you I'm just not saying if, if you can justify your ADR, you need to be pushing that ADR to the limit. My issue is when people are making a short-sighted decision that I'm going to push as far as I possibly can because my guests don't have another choice. Because in the future, they're going to have another choice and there's no way around it. So if you think that you want to charge 300 a night, if you're not that type of property, find a way to deliver that value. Because if you got the cash coming in, that's when we talk about surprise and delight. And that's when we go back to that very first thing that Jeremy said was 
build relationships with those guests. Make it so that they're just blown away that they're getting a $400 a night experience, even though they, they're only paying 300 At that point, you have an ADR that you can continue to keep at that high level. Yeah, and and just 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 think about you know, like like I said, you you understand who you are and what you typically charge. Yes, you can you can raise your rate a bit, but don't send it through the roof because you can because there's no other availability in town. That's number one. It's not the right thing to do. Number two, you're you're what you're going to end up with is a bunch of bad reviews. And then in those low occupancy periods, the guests who are going to come back and they're going to read bad reviews about your property, uh, you know, the the person writing the bad review isn't necessarily putting what they paid in the review. They're just talking about a crappy experience. Yep. So understand that and understand that you're going to lose guests in the future by doing something, you know, kind of, I, I don't want to say scammy, but kind of scammy right now. Exactly. That's a bang up episode. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Phil. Yeah, man, Good Jeremy, show. this was a this was a hell of an article. And I, you know, if you guys uh, come come to travelboommarketing.com, um, check out our blog. You can read Jeremy's full article here. You know, all the all the instructions to to go along with these things, and um, you know, a little more detail than we went into here. So uh, go check that out if you just want to see the show notes. Um, Travel, uh, travelboommarketing.com episode 198 198 Pete we're getting close to that big number big 200 hey should we start should we start foreshadowing yeah I think we did a little bit last week as well in letting people know that it's going to be a big AMA type episode not going to be a live episode we tried that for 100 and it was uh, it was a pain technically so what we're going to be doing is, and we've already been soliciting questions and kind of curating the questions that we already have, and we're going to have some extra special guests on the podcast. Uh, Phil, why don't you tell us who's going to be on here? Uh, no, 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 we have to make them guess. <laughs> okay. It's, it, they're super special guests, and you are going to love these people. It's very likely that you already know who, who they are, um, and they decided to grace us with their presence for episode 200 and pete and i are thrilled uh, i think you as the listeners are going to be thrilled and definitely stay tuned it's uh two episodes away people it, yeah so if you have questions definitely hit us up on our, our social profiles or you can send it to us at podcast at travelboommarketing.com that will get you to the top of the list and we'll make sure that if it if it takes us three hours to record the episode, we'll uh, we'll probably have to cut some some questions and not answer them all, or we might answer Boy. multiple ones. But <laughs> nobody's gonna want to listen to us for three hours. We're answering every damn question that's sent in. Okay. And, and if you have to sit here for three hours and listen to us and our very special guest babble about them, you're gonna you're gonna do it, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hey, so Jeremy, this is this is a good one. If people want to find out more about you or connect, where where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Razuk. All right. How about you, Phil? Uh, find me on LinkedIn at Phil Fariska, uh, Twitter at P Fariska. Um, I haven't been clubhousing, Pete. I'm just I'm not even going to do it anymore. I, I really haven't too much either. So I, I've dropped in and listened to a few, but I haven't spoken very recently either. Uh, hey, you can find me 
on LinkedIn primarily at Pete DeMeo, P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O. I'm also still trying to do the clubhouse thing when I when I get there. Uh, or you can find us all at fueltravel. Uh, not fuel travel. What am I saying? That's old school. <laughs> at travelboommarketing.com. Uh, we've got either at Facebook at slash travelboommarketing. We have uh, Twitter profiles underscore travelboom or LinkedIn at Travel Boom Marketing as well. So so check us out at all of those other places. And if all you care about is Jeremy's article in the show notes, go to uh, travelboommarketing.com slash podcast and find a good old episode 198. But yeah, that is all we got. So hopefully you have a good week hotel marketing-inging this week, and we'll be back very soon for episode 199. Travel Boom is out. We can combine the unfamiliar unfamiliarity of an awareness campaign with the familiar familiar air. Oh my god! I gotta start over. <laughs>